Welcome to the Dietitian Success Podcast. Here at Dietitian Success Center, we're all about making it easier for you to build your confidence and expertise. So whether you're a dietitian or a dietetic student, we've got something for you. I'm Krista, your host and the founder of DSC. Now, are you ready to ditch the imposter syndrome and join our incredible, vibrant community? If so, let's jump in. Today, I am sitting down with Ashley Mason, the incredible founder behind Dash of Social, a Boston-based marketing firm that specializes in social media, marketing strategy, and content marketing. Ashley has been featured in massive publications like TEDx, Business Insider, and Huffington Post. Dash of Social helps entrepreneurs execute marketing strategies that develop an online presence, establish credibility, and build a community. Today, Ashley and I are going to sit down and chat about the sales strategy that underlies your social media. So how are you going to actually convert that following into paying customers? That's what we all want to know. Are you ready to start leveraging your social media following into something that brings more clients and more money in the door? If so, let's jump into it. So without further ado, Ashley, please feel free to say hey to the audience and thanks so much for joining me today. Hey, and thank you so much, Krista, for having me on. I'm super excited for this. Me too. I'm so excited. So starting off, um, I was reading just to prepare for this chat. I was reading through your website and I was on your about page and I was reading through your business journey. Um, and it was so interesting. I know that you kind of transitioned from actually being a micro influencer to starting dash of social, which is your business right now. Um, and it was just such an interesting read. So can you give the audience an overview of what that journey has looked like so far? Absolutely. So I first got my taste of marketing in 2012 when I decided to start a fashion and lifestyle blog. I was spending so much time just being able to create content, really working on building up the blog and really just making it as best as I can just to come to the conclusion that only my family and friends were reading my content. And so I said to myself, I'm spending all this time. This is crazy. I actually want the right people to be reading this, but how do I get it seen in front of the right people? And that's when I realized that social media was that missing puzzle piece. So up until that point, I had really only used social media from a personal standpoint, but spent the next several months really being able to dive in to learn how to use it from a business standpoint. Long story short, after putting in a lot of work into building up my social media profiles for my blog, that's what led me to get a lot of website traffic, which of course leads you to becoming a micro-influencer. And I worked with lots of various companies on paid partnerships, but realized that a lot of these companies were missing their own social media presence. And so I saw from my own experience how important social media was to build a brand that I really understood that these companies were missing an opportunity. And so this was probably 2013 now when Instagram was maybe two years old. So it was a really big beginning of having something new where now anyone and everyone loves Instagram. Um, So I started working with these companies on a pro bono relationship just to help them manage their social media profiles. I worked with influencers for them. I developed social media strategies for them and a few different offerings just to help them out because I did have that working relationship with them already. But I also was really interested in learning more about social media myself. From there, I was casually led into a few freelancing gigs just from people that I knew passing them along. 
And as I started freelancing, I kind of had this aha moment where as someone like myself who had always been super entrepreneurial from a young age, but never knew what I wanted to be. It was like, once I got into that experience, I was like, this is exactly what I want to do. And so I ended up starting Dash of Social in September, 2016. And now here I am. Wow. Amazing. So it's been, I guess, five years. Yeah, it'll be five years as of next week when we're recording this podcast episode. Oh my gosh. Congratulations. That's incredible. And what a cool journey. Um, I think that you know, it seems like, and I I can relate to this too, um, you know, you would have never just graduated university or college and been like, oh, this is what I want to do. You kind of had to go through that journey of a little bit of trial and error and figuring out what does work and what doesn't work. And then you landed on this problem that was so clearly needing to be solved. And I'm assuming you were sort of one of the first or only people that were sort of doing that work at the time because, you know, social media was still fairly new. Yes, exactly. And actually, when I really started getting into social media, it was actually on Twitter. So Mm -hmm. which many people don't even use Twitter now, I'm still a huge fan, but it was actually tweet chats, which is basically for anyone who's listening who hasn't heard of a tweet chat. It's pretty much a conversation that usually happens around the same time. So sometimes the host will choose a weekly tweet chat or monthly where you join in on the conversation with the hashtag. And it's usually a guided conversation about whatever topic the tweet chat is on. So there's marketing ones. I'm sure there's nutrition ones. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a whole bunch of different topics, but that's actually how I got into marketing and how I learned a lot of what I know is through Twitter. So I definitely feel as though it's kind of in the forefront of really being able to utilize and leverage social media as a business and then help others do the same. Mm, so cool. So let's talk a little bit about social media. Um, I'm so excited for you to share some of your expertise because obviously you've worked with so many clients and you know you've really been able to see what works and and maybe what doesn't work. So, but my first question here is sometimes there's a bit of a perception and it can be really overwhelming when it comes to starting social media. You feel like you need to be on all the platforms. And I know I felt this way when I first started a food blog, like way back, way back when, when food blogs were just sort of getting going and everyone was like, oh, you got to be on Instagram. You got to be on Facebook. You got to be on Pinterest. You got to do all the things. So I tried to do that and it was just like too overwhelming and I couldn't stick with that all. (laughs) So how do you, where do you start and how do you prioritize? Great question. So there's a lot of studies out there. The one that I reference the most is on Hootsuite's website, but there's a ton of studies out there that actually break down the demographics of every social media platform. So even though it might sound enticing to be on all the platforms because you think that you're reaching lots more people, the chances of those people actually being in your target market isn't as high as you would think. So I say it's really best to take a deep dive into those studies and see what the demographics of the users on those platforms are. So that way you make sure that you're using the right ones. Um, If your audience isn't on YouTube, then there's no reason for you to use YouTube. If your audience is heavily on Instagram and you're not using Instagram, then that shows that you're missing out on where you could be getting great opportunities. So I say definitely figure out where your people are actually hanging out. And then also making sure that you have at least two social media platforms that you're using. So you definitely don't need to go crazy and use every single one where they might be. But I always recommend using at least two because you definitely don't want to put all of your eggs into one basket 
spend all this time, say, for example, growing your Instagram account, you're only focused on Instagram. And then next thing you know, boom, your account gets hacked or you get accused of violating the terms and your account is shut down. And if your account is shut down, do you still have your business is what it really comes down to. So that's why I always recommend having at least two just to be safe and then building on more platforms as you get comfortable and feel like you have the time in your schedule to do so. Yeah. So, so, so smart. Uh, couldn't agree more. And I mean, I guess before that even has to happen or in order for that to happen, that means you need to be clear on who your target market is right? and who your niche is. Um, and I yep. think that that's a step that a lot of people miss before launching into social media and deciding which platforms they're going to be on. Exactly. Because a lot of people think, well, I can help anyone. And yeah, you might think that you can help anyone, But the more specific you are with who you're able to help, the better you can help them and the more success that you'll have. And then it also makes it easier to really hone in on your messaging because you know exactly who you're speaking to and you're not just trying to speak to the masses and then therefore run the risk of your messaging, copy, social media posts not resonating with anyone. Yeah, 100%. Um, So... Now, a lot of listeners are people who have used social media for personal purposes in the past, but then this might be their very first time actually leveraging it for a business. And there's a bit of a learning curve there. It's like, how do I go from just posting about me and my dog to talking about my business? So what are some of the biggest differences, in your opinion, between using social media for personal versus business? Mm. So I say more often than not, your friends and family are not your target market. Yep. So that's <laughs> the biggest thing is understanding, just like we were talking about, who you really should be talking to. I also think that there definitely is and should be an overlap in your personal and business, though. So I find with all of the clients that I work with across the board, Anytime we post a photo or video of the owner of the company or someone who's a key stakeholder in the company, we always get so much more traction. And that's because you're showing the human face behind the brand and not just the brand itself. So definitely being strategic with that approach. Also making sure that you have separate accounts in general. Oftentimes people are like, oh, well, I already have an Instagram account. I'll just start using it for business. It's best to just start from the ground up, which I think is actually better because you have so many more opportunities to do more things with it and making sure you're really focused on that. Um, But in terms of really getting started for business, because a lot of people often struggle with, well, what do I actually say in my social media captions when they're doing it for the first time? And the biggest thing that I can recommend, which is actually the most easiest, is to keep a piece of pen and a piece of paper and pen next to you as you're speaking to clients or you're in a meeting with a potential client and write down questions they ask you and problems they're facing. Because you can take that content ideas basically from them and turn it into social media posts. And you know that it's going to perform well because you heard directly from your target market what they want to know, where they need help how they're struggling and you're providing them with the solution. Mm, Such amazing advice. Um, Yeah. Because oftentimes when you go, if you, if you go to sit down and try and come up with social media content, it's just, it's not organic. It often feels very much like it's a strain and you're just sort of grasping at straws versus those things that come to you in those moments when you least expect it. Um, I know personally I have like a, 
I just, I open the notes app on my phone or I'll send myself an email with an idea as it comes to me. Cause it always happens when you're, you know, out and about and whatever, but I love the yep. idea of when you're actually sitting with clients, have just a sticky note or a notepad beside you. That's awesome advice. Um, so, so helpful. So in episode 39 of this podcast, we talk a lot about the idea of content marketing, um, you know, that in order to attract our target audience, we have to provide them with valuable content that is directed towards them. So now the question is, how do we take that audience that we've been attracting through our content and how do we actually turn those people into paying clients? Mm, that's a great question. So one of my favorite things to do is actually taking those people that we end up really nurturing on social media and getting them to take that further action, specifically being able to sign up for your email list. Mm -hmm. So once people express their interest in the content that you have been writing on social media and publishing and engaging with, then you want to find a way to make them take that next step and get them on your email list through maybe a webinar you may be hosting or through a freebie or a lead magnet that you may be offering because that shows that it's a really warm audience and these people are even more interested in what you have to say. And then you're able to nurture them by sending them a series of emails, different newsletters, um, announcements of things that are coming up or currently launching or anything along those lines that then may convince them to join that next program or sign up for a coaching session or anything along those lines to really help them uh, get further and therefore become a client of yours. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So smart. And I completely agree. Um, email marketing, the combination of email marketing and social media is really where it's at when it comes mm -hmm. to just those sales strategies for your businesses. Um, so then question for you, because this is often something that trips people up and it's a bit confusing. Uh, what advice do you have for businesses that operate locally? Because I know obviously the benefit in having a social media presence is that you have a larger reach. Um, mm. But what's interesting about our profession, many regulated health professions is that, you know, you are restricted to seeing clients only within certain provinces or certain states. And so how do you navigate that? Mm. Yeah, it's definitely something tricky. But one thing that I found that has actually worked specifically for the businesses who are on Facebook is to actually use Facebook groups. So I'm sure for those who are listening, you're a part of at least one Facebook group that's for the town that you live in or a town that you used to live in, where there's lots of people in there posting, engaging, and just seeing all of the posts that are coming through. For a lot of the clients that we work with, those Facebook groups have been massively helpful because we're able to take the 10, 20, 30 towns or cities where they service and actually post in those groups on behalf of their business page, which then means that we're at no cost to us being able to tap into these communities that have thousands or tens of thousands of active and engaged members that someone else spent time building up and you leveraging that to get awareness for us. And so that helps because then you know that you're reaching the exact zip codes or areas of where you are able to serve people and therefore get the brand awareness that you've been hoping to get on that local standpoint. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Uh, I love that. I, I know myself, I've, I've found that for my own business, just that there's a lot of power in, in those Facebook groups that, yeah, somebody has already created. If you're allowed, mm -hmm. why not leverage that? 
Um, any thoughts on Instagram and how to really tailor your content or, um, yeah, tailor your content, I guess, to a, your local audience? So with Instagram, definitely being able to use the geotags. So mm. being able to, in any of the posts that you're publishing, focusing on the cities, towns, or even states or provinces of where you want to be reaching certain people and geotagging them as your post when publishing it. So that way, if someone happens to search through Instagram by that geotag, then the chance of your post showing up is higher. So I usually recommend um, having a list of maybe five to 10 locations that you'd like to tag and just rotating through them to really help to get seen in front of as many yet targeted groups of people as possible. Mm, Yep. So smart. Love that. Uh, So then what happens if you're putting out content regularly, but you're not seeing the clients coming in? Mm, So I say there's two things. So one, definitely dive into analytics. Um, I say with not only social media, but marketing in general, you need to make sure that you're not just throwing spaghetti at the wall and hoping that it sticks, but more so being strategic with it. So you might think that your content is great, but that doesn't necessarily mean that your audience thinks it's great. So it's really important to, I recommend at least on a monthly basis, look through your analytics for your social media platforms that you're utilizing and understand what type of content is really getting a lot of traction and what type of content is just really tanking because you'll be able to see content ideas and you'll most likely see similarities of posts, but you'll see content ideas that you just need to get rid of completely because they're doing nothing. And on the opposite end, you'll see content ideas that you need to do a lot more of because they're getting so much engagement on them and really getting clear on what type of content is providing lots of value to your audience will help you to get more leads and therefore more clients on that end. Secondly, kind of tying into what I mentioned earlier about not putting all of your eggs in one basket with your social media platforms, you want to make sure that you're not putting all of your eggs in one basket and using just social media. You want to make sure that you're looking beyond the scope and focusing on things like having a really great website, like having an email list, like blogging, like getting podcasts on this. So that way you're really reaching as many people as possible in using all the different methods to attract people instead of relying on just one like social media and expecting it to be your golden ticket. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Um, and so, and I think really it's, it's visibility is the name of the game, right? It's Mm -hmm. like the more visible you can be the better. And oftentimes it takes time for social media to even get that traction and really find in order to really find your audience. And so in the meantime, it's just about what are those other spaces that you can get in front of your ideal client? You're so right, Krista. And it, it really is a long-term game. I mean, I've had people reach out to me who have like, who have said, oh, I've been following you for the past three years, Mm -hmm. but now they're just scheduling that consultation call. And so it's important to remember that you definitely won't see people right away, but really putting in the work, being consistent with it and continuing to provide value will bring those people further down the line because once they are ready to pull the trigger on your service or product, especially if it's a on the more pricier side, then they know that you're the exact person they want to move forward with. Yeah, totally. And that's funny that you say that because I think I'd mentioned this to you before we started working together. And I was saying that that was, that was what happened with me and, and you and your business. Mm -hmm. I remember finding you, 
um, way back when on Instagram, when I had my very first business, which was in a completely different niche. It was like a dog collar business, Etsy shop, totally different. And obviously at the time I was not in the position to be able to work with anybody for social media, but I loved just following your business. I thought it was so cool. And I loved to see what you were doing and you were having a lot of success and it was just really inspiring. And I always said, like, if I get to a point where I'm able to hire somebody for social media, you know, Ashley's the one that I would want to work with. And so it's funny that I've exactly right. It's been probably four years since that, that happened. And since I came across you. And so that's, it's a perfect example of that long game mentality. Yes, absolutely. And I'm so glad you shared that because it's true. I mean, it's, so it's, it's really hard to keep going when you're not seeing those instant results because we live in a society of instant gratification, but knowing that the foundation that you're building right now will set you up for success moving forward. And you will get to the point where the foundation you've set has now led you to getting clients and leads on autopilot because you spent a lot of that time giving the legwork and really setting things up the way they should be in the beginning. Totally. And so when it comes to social media, obviously there's all these trends that change over time. It feels like there's something new constantly. It's like there's reels and then there's whatever, and there's whatever. Um, what do you feel like is working well right now when it comes to social? Video in all mm. forms. So whether it's just a regular video that you're recording, whether it's reels, which are a form of video, whether it's live video on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn, video has been something that has been growing over the past few years, but just the way that it's shown has been changing a little bit. I actually read an article and I can't remember the source where I read it from, but I read it last year where it said that by 2022, which is in just a few months, by 2022, video will drive 82% of website traffic, which is huge. Um, So it shows that video is king or queen. And if you're not jumping on it right now, that's a really good statistic to encourage you to jump on it. Because ultimately, you want to get people on your website, which is what shows who you are, what you do and how you help. And it's your website that will convert people from being just interested in your products or services to actually purchasing them. Interesting. And that's, that's really motivating for me. I think I've really, I just, uh, and I'm sure many can relate to this, but it just feels like video is often more effort. And sometimes when you're like strapped for time and you're just looking to get visible, it's like, okay, you know, I just got to make my posts in Canva and schedule them in buffer or later or whatever. And then they're out there. Um, But I think it's a really good reminder uh, that of course, if you're going to be spending the time, you want to be able to maximize the results from it. Um, So that's a good lesson and, and something I need to think about in terms of just how I want to make sure that's something that I can consistently do in my business. Absolutely. And I say one of the biggest benefits of video is that it can easily be repurposed. If you're creating a 10 minute video, you can break that down into 30 second, one minute, two minute chunks, and then have five to 10 videos that have come out of one video, which is really awesome because then you're spending less time actually creating content and being able to take content that's really working and resonating with your audience and just finding more ways to get more use out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so smart. Okay, I'm going to give that some thought for sure. Um, add that to my weekly weekly routine. Um, so 
with Dash of Social, you provide your clients with in-house marketing services, which means that you actually manage their social media directly, right? You create the Mm -hmm. content and you schedule it. You do all of that work for them. So when might you recommend that someone outsource their social media versus DIYing it? Great question. So a lot of or a big reason why a lot of our clients hire us to do their marketing for them is time. So especially as your business continues to grow and you get left with a million and one tasks in your to-do list, marketing is almost always the first thing to fall off that list, which is understandable because you have more important things to be focusing on. But just because you don't have time for, for it doesn't mean it's not important. So if you feel like you're really growing and scaling and getting bigger and bigger, and therefore you're left without any time, um, outsourcing it to someone is a great option. And therefore it ensures that you're having an optimized presence without you really needing to do much of the work yourself. And secondly, a lot of our clients actually despise social media. They hate using it personally. And I totally get why, but then they're left with this weird situation where they don't want to use social media, but they also know that they need to. So in that case, by outsourcing it to us or a company like ours, they know that they're still having that optimized and engaged online presence again, without them really needing to be on the platform themselves doing the work. Yeah. I hear that sentiment from so many of my clients too. Um, I think that, you know, particularly in the area of health and healthcare, um, where marketing and business tends to be so far away from what we're used to, there's always a lot of tension between, uh, like I, I don't enjoy it. I don't want to do it. I, I feel like it's a necessary evil. So, I totally appreciate and, and agree with that. Absolutely. Uh, Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It was so awesome to chat with you. Where can the audience find out more about you and the work that you do? Likewise, Krista. So you can find me on my website, which is dash of social.com. Um, I have a freebie on there where you can get a really awesome, I may be biased by saying that, but really awesome social media content calendar template that will save you a lot of time with being able to build out your social media posts moving forward. And you can also follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, where my social media handle is just dash of social. Perfect. That's awesome. Well, everyone, we really hope that you enjoyed this episode. And as always, please feel free to slide into either my DMs or Ashley's DMs if you have any comments or questions. Otherwise, have an awesome week and we will see you next Thursday. Okay, so I definitely learned a lot from that episode and I hope that you did too. I just wanted to quickly pop in and mention that whenever you're ready, here are the three ways that you can work with me. Number one, of course, we have the DSC business membership, which includes all of the information you need to start and grow your dietitian business for the most affordable rate available online for dietitians. There's no commitment necessary. If you're looking for one-on-one support, my 90-minute intensive sessions are perfect for you if you're hoping to get some help with something specific in your business. So things like coming up with your pricing strategy, your social media content strategy, defining your niche, whatever that might be. And then number three, if you're looking for longer-term support, my one-on-one coaching program is perfect for you if you're really looking to start or grow your business in the next 90 days with some individualized advice, support, and accountability. All right. Well, that is it 
for me. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Have an awesome week. And as mentioned before, I will see you next Thursday.